0: It's so fascinating having these conversations. Every time I learn something that either I didn't know about a product or I didn't know about an aspect of healthcare. Today we're speaking to Allison Conti who is the founder of Watkins Conti Products, makers of Yoni Fit, which you'll hear is foreign continents and i was just amazed that allison's done this and implemented clinical trials at stanford and nyu all while being a single mother in oklahoma and the reason i mentioned that is because we know where these big entrepreneurial communities are really heavily populated so imagine that to get to any meeting, you have to leave Oklahoma and you're a single mom and it's complicated, but she's amazing. She's like a juggler. She's like an octopus. She must have eight arms doing all this stuff.
1: Absolutely. I remember you mentioning an article that was presented in one of the working mom magazines, estimating that one in three women owned businesses is owned by a mom. So talk about the concept of multitasking. I mean, bringing some very needed product to market navigating the FDA, having a background in marketing and building an entire team, and then also fundraising plus raising two kids is not a simple feat. So let's talk to Allison. Welcome to the Business of the V. Hello, friends and colleagues. I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck.
0: And I'm Rachel Bronshirl. Each week, we bring you the most fascinating investors, inventors, entrepreneurs, academics, and healthcare practitioners who are making things happen in women's sexual and reproductive health.
1: If you are a woman, know a woman, have a business, or care about your V Health and Wellness, fasten your seatbelts and listen in to another informative and inspiring
0: episode. We are so excited to have our guest today, Allison Conti. Allison is the founder and CEO of Watkins Conti Products, makers of YoniFit. I've had the chance to work with and get to know Allison over the years that she's been in the space. We are so delighted to have you on Business of the V today. Thanks for joining.
2: Thank you. I am so excited to be here.
0: So I know you have an amazing story and so many of the founders we speak to have a vision that is the result of a personal experience. And I know you fall into that category. So why don't you share with the listeners what the impetus was for the creation of Yoni Fit?
2: Okay. It'd be my pleasure. So in 2014, I gave birth to a beautiful 11.004 pound baby. And while I did not deliver her vaginally, carrying her in that last trimester, I started to experience stress incontinence, which is involuntary urine leakage. I did not know that was just going to keep continuing and it wasn't going to go away. So after delivering her, it just continuously got worse and worse. So I went to pelvic floor rehabilitation. I tried some of the biofeedback devices I was not successful utilizing those products, but they are successful for some women. It just did not work for me. And I was in my early 30s and surgery wasn't really a good option for me. And it wasn't recommended that I have a pessary device or your sphincter injections weren't really a big thing back then. So I was just poring over how to fix my own problem and realized whenever I was doing kickboxing and I was on my period that whenever I would wear a tampon, I would have like less urine leakage. And so I started to really
0: study that. And why is that?
2: And that's how Yoni Fit was born. So.
0: I wish you could have seen for the people listening. I know you saw it, Allison. Alyssa has delivered countless babies. And when you said 11 pounds, her wow. mouth like dropped to the floor. So Alyssa, <laughs> how common is Allison's experience? Suffer yeah. stress incontinence during pregnancy and yeah. continued after? I would venture to guess that the
1: stress incontinence is not uncommon, but an 11 plus pound baby is definitely a milestone. And I'm not sure who to feel worse for you or your obstetrician, but we'll leave that for another conversation. (laughs) I say Um, I
2: felt so justified in my complaints.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would say you have every right. Look, that is a big baby. And oftentimes we speak about the mode of delivery as the real root cause behind incontinence, stress incontinence, which technically means involuntary leakage of urine with some sort of extra pressure in the intra-abdominal cavity. So like coughing or sneezing or straining of some sort for those who may not be familiar with the term. And what happens is that if you deliver such a big baby vaginally, there may be some muscle stretching and tissue damage and even nerve damage that can alter the urinary flow. The thought always is, well, wouldn't a C-section be protective against stress incontinence? And actually, the answer you've proven is no, not necessarily, because just carrying such a big pregnancy can really put somebody at risk.
2: That's exactly right. I was really surprised that in my conversations with physicians, they didn't realize that (laughs) it didn't take a vaginal delivery to have that this big of a problem. So I really, after I first, I felt really sorry for myself Then worked through it, got a solution going. And then when I realized, oh my gosh, it's like one in three women. I mean, some of the doctors say 50% of their patients experience this. I thought, oh my gosh, I have to help these women. Absolutely. So, um,
1: and we yeah. know that there are corrective measures that can be taken. It sounds like you really ventured into many of them, including the Kegel exercises, more intensive pelvic floor physical therapy to help strengthen those muscles, a pessary device for, again, for those who've never heard of this, it's like a little disc or a cube that's placed in the vagina to kind of hold things up and create a little barrier against that intra-abdominal pressure with straining. And surgery, of course, is surgery, which comes with plenty of risk that could be involved and benefit for some. But tell us about the Yoni device, because I haven't seen it. And if you could just describe it and its mechanism of action, that would be excellent.
2: Yes, absolutely. So here it is right here. So it's a very flexible, 100% medical grade silicone. From the outside, it looks a lot like a menstrual cup sure does we have six different sizes this is a smaller size they get rather large but it's engineered in the interior here to expand once inserted into the vagina and place that pressure right amount of pressure right there at the urethral sphincter through the intravaginal canal kind of holding everything in place stops the involuntary flow you do not have to remove it to urinate which is nice. I get asked that question quite often. If it's inserted properly, you shouldn't really be able to feel it at all. So it's extremely comfortable, easy to insert and remove. And I mean, for me, it's just changed my life, so. Incredible. Does it work by creating pressure?
1: You said the urethral sphincter, does it change the angle of the urethra? Does it tuck up the bladder into the vagina a little bit more? Or is it simply preventing the pressure exertion?
2: A lot of women experience prolapse, but they don't know it like an early stage one. And so I really think that's kind of where we're starting is intercepting between whenever women very first experience it. And it's gotten so bad then that they're going to the doctor saying, what in the world is going on with my body? And just to explain, prolapse means that the
1: organs literally are starting to relax and may descend in the vagina almost to the point where they're coming outside. So an early stage one would just be a minimal relaxation of those tissues. And
0: for people, again, who are just learning this term or interested in this area of the body or solutions... What are the impacts? What happens when you have either mild moderate or severe prolapse?
1: Thankfully, it is not a deadly disease to have a prolapse, but it can be physically very uncomfortable. Women find themselves very sensitive to even the slightest relaxation of tissues or organs from the vagina. It also can cause difficulties with regular day-to-day function, whether it's with urination, with leakage of urine, with moving the bowels, with sexual activity in which there may be some mechanical issues that get in the way and make sexual activity difficult. So this is a big quality of life issue and certainly can cause discomfort.
0: We've about this all the time. One of the themes is when a woman is experiencing something, it's not just one thing. And I've shared this story before, but there's so many things that incontinence could have an impact on. But I was doing some research and I heard a woman say, I am uncomfortable picking up my grandchild because mm-hmm. I'm afraid of leakage. And I thought that is such a fundamental instinct to pick up a child and cuddle with them. But I want to go back to how you discovered this. Share a little bit more about your background. You were not an expert in the female and nat- prior to doing this. So What were you doing and what gave you the confidence to know that you could translate some of those skills into this venture?
2: Well, I am just an entrepreneur. I mean, I started my career in radio, actually, in sales, radio commercials. And then I moved to work for the CBS affiliate and did TV commercials. And so I understood marketing and advertising a little bit, loved that. And then whenever I became a mom, I started an advertising agency because I was just working so many hours. Some of my clients came with me and I just managed their advertising and marketing, and then also started a business in the plumbing and construction trades. Just, I was married at the time. And so I ran like the backside of that business. And then once all of this happened and I had my daughter and I realized, I think it was whenever I looked at the numbers and realized how many women had the problem that I thought, well, this is a business opportunity. (laughs) And it's funny that you were in plumbing.
1: Did I hear that properly? So you've kind of gone from one type of plumbing to another, which I find kind of ironic. <laughs> That's funny. How did you come up with the actual design? Did you have consultants
2: in biomedical engineering or something along that line? Well, I was just studying. So like I said, I started with a tampon, using a tampon. And then I started to look at like all the different options. There are menstrual cups out there. And I went to the Mayo Clinic website and learned about pessaries. And so I was trying to figure out a way to kind of like combine all three of them, but the tampon with the cotton just didn't really seem like a good viable solution when women aren't on their period. So it's really kind of a combination of the pessary devices, holding the organs in place with the menstrual cup. The menstrual cup creates that seal on the cervix to prevent menstrual flow from leaking from the vagina. So I knew that had to figure out a way to not do that if women were having a weakened pelvic floor with removal of the device that it could injure them or create further issues with the organs descending through the vaginal canal. So had to think through that and also just how to make it expand and stay in place in the vagina and hold everything in place. So I just read a ton and all my friends would be like, come have a drink. And I'd be like, no, I have to retain this information. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, a sign of a real entrepreneur, right? So then I just like drew a picture and I hired a lady in Catoosa, Oklahoma to put it in CAD. And then I just had a paid $600 for a prototype and used it in kickboxing Amazing. and learned that I had to make a few modifications and then just continued that way. Amazing story.
1: Is this something that needs a prescription in the future? Is this something that a healthcare practitioner has to place or fit, or is it really a complete direct to consumer product?
2: Well, first we're going prescription. We did conduct a clinical trial. We conducted clinical trials at Stanford and NYU and Thomas Jefferson University. The FDA asked us to manufacture a sham device, which is a device that is supposed to be engineered to be ineffective. To prove that there is not a placebo effect so we did a small trial just with 70 women but the efficacy the quality of life stuff looks beautiful i'm so excited but before we go direct to consumer i really want to hear more from the patient i really want to pay careful attention to a postmenopausal demographic i really want to think about comfort and things of that nature and continuously innovate And get it perfect before. So I just think it's going to be really important to listen to the consumer for the first year, maybe, and do some more trials, long-term safety stuff, and then hopefully go direct to consumer with it.
0: I'm sure that's music to your ears. Alyssa, Mm -hmm. one of the other themes that comes up frequently is it's wonderful when people can take a lot of healthcare decision-making into their own hands, but it's often, it's at the exclusion of the doctor that sometimes is not a great choice to go from all or nothing. I mean, there's lots of issues with delivering of modern care that many entrepreneurs and companies are trying to fix, but we shouldn't throw out the baby with the bathwater.
2: Yeah. I, think that I it's am so important to have, sorry, the physician's support and help and yeah. making sure that we're creating something that's not just a gimmick, but that really is a solution. And we're not all the same.
1: 100%. Reminds me of menstrual discs, of diaphragms, and these things sometimes do need to be fitted by somebody who can fit it for you rather than just relying on a finger breadth or something to measure for yourself what size you may be. As far as a menstruation, you did happen to mention that. So is this designed to also collect menstruation or it would just be just in case you have a little bit of blood, it will collect that?
2: So it's not creating that seal. So if you are on your heavy days of your period, I wear mine, but I do have to wear a little panty liner just the first couple of days. But I mean, if you think about the difference between having nothing for your urine and your menstrual flow to having to just wear a a tiny panty liner, it's pretty exciting stuff.
1: And here's today's hot flash, which is really interesting. The average baby weighs about seven pounds at birth. About 9% of all babies weigh more than eight pounds, 13 ounces. Rarely do babies weigh more than 10 pounds. I'm also super impressed with the caliber of your clinical partners who are studying this. How did you orchestrate
2: that? I mean, to get such big guns to research a product. I've just got the most incredible people making introductions for me. I just fearless in my pursuit and asking people for help. And it's so amazing. There are so many incredible women and just supporters of women's health out there that want to see change and wanted to help. And so really, it's just introductions from incredible people. I was just going to say, Karen Drexler introduced me to the PI at Stanford, which was really great and exciting for us. And then Dr. Benjamin Brecker introduced us to Christina Escobar at NYU. So, yeah, Carolyn Eccles through the Women's Health Innovation Series.
0: You are in Oklahoma, which is not where people necessarily think is the heart of entrepreneurship. So, talk a little bit about some of the sources of funding that you got. You've been really creative and really focused. On getting funding. And I think it'd be helpful for people to hear, even when you're not in New York or San Francisco, and it's hard in those places anyway. What have you done to make this path easier for yourself in terms of fundraising?
2: Well, of course, I bootstrapped, like I think most entrepreneurs, put my whole life savings in. (laughs) And then my mom was my first investor. So she experiences incontinence and it just hit close to home with her. And then just, I mean, I don't even know how many people I pitched. I was just, again, ruthless with my pursuit and pitching to anybody that would possibly listen to me. And finally, a couple of guys that knew me well, knew my family well, invested, and then we were able to prove feasibility. Once we conducted that feasibility study and we proved that this wasn't just an idea and that it actually was working for women we started to get doctors on board as investors. And then once we started to get doctors on board as investors, everybody else kind of wanted to jump on board in terms of people that I had pitched previously, as well as now we've got some venture capital funding, which was really exciting for us. And then I think that also helps catapult the company forward because their diligence process is so stringent. I think we uploaded, I know it was over 1,100 documents, on their diligence. And so I think that was kind of a big win for us in terms of sort of validating the company in the eyes of others. Sure.
1: Other than the clinical investigators at these amazing centers, do you have a medical advisory board? Do you work with urologists on this or are the studies uh, sufficient?
2: I mean, I've got different physicians over the years that have advised me that I've gone to anybody really that would listen to me. I mean, my background being in marketing and plumbing, heating and air company, (laughs) it was really hard at first. So I would just... Like a crazy person schedule. I would schedule appointments for myself as if I'm a patient. And then I would walk in with an NDA and in my purse, I would have my little Yoni fit that I would pull out. and I love it. That is great. It. All of the doctors signed it. There was not one that said, no, sorry, I'm not signing your NDA. <laughs> That's an incredible so I story. Listen. I would listen. What I would hear over and over again is you've got to get through the FDA. This is going to be really expensive and it's going to be really hard. And so I found a public conference at the FDA and I flew there. My daughter sat on my lap. My mom came and babysat and I just started shaking every hand in the room. And I still work with some of those people today that I met there. So, I mean, it's all been just from the advice of other people.
0: I have a recollection that you got some money from some organizations in Oklahoma. Am I remembering correctly? Cortado Ventures. Is that what you're oh, thinking? no, I thought there was like a grant or some grant money that you might've gotten. I
2: No, I still haven't gotten any grant. I need a grant writer.
0: <laughs> so here you are coming from a very different area, pounding the pavement. And it's really great for entrepreneurs and investors to hear how creative you could be. That is amazing. Never heard that story that you go in as a patient. So you know, you'll get on their schedule with an NDA and that you put yourself... As my dad used to say, you put yourself in the intersection and then you'll get hit eventually. But you also did this as a single mom, which you've been pretty vocal about. We talk about how demanding the life of an entrepreneur is and you're in a space that's challenging. You're not in the hotbed geographically of entrepreneurship. You're raising two children. You're building a company. How do you do it? I mean, For people who say this is really hard and then you add that whole other dimension,
2: I mean, honestly, for me, COVID was such a blessing because it normalized my true life, which is there are kids in the background. (laughs) There are always kids in the background. And before I would be like, if you say a word while I'm on this call, you're grounded, you know, (laughs) and now they'll pop in and out. And so honestly, like that was just a huge blessing, but I've got an incredible community too and friends that help just hang out with the kids while I'm working. And, but yeah, it is a grind. It is definitely not easy. And at the same time, it's strange. I really, I just feel so lucky that I get to do it. And I've decided that it's important because they see me working all the time. I think that it's important that they understand. And so now I've started bringing them to meetings with me. I bring my son often. Sometimes my daughter comes and she thanks me How old are your kids now? Just so people have a sense. My son is 14. He'll be 14, February 10th. And then my daughter is only eight. It's taken a little while for her to be able to sit through some of the meetings.
0: Uh, you're probably <laughs> raising, for adults raising, to sit through some of these meetings. Absolutely. <laughs> and you're
1: probably raising some future entrepreneurs for sure. I hope um, they're retaining something. <laughs> yeah. So I noticed that you're a member of Chief, as am I, for a short two months. I saw uh, that. Yeah. Super exciting and a great group. That's so inspirational. Did you turn to any networking through that group to facilitate your business?
2: Absolutely. So one of our board members I met through chief, Ginny Martell, who is the head of global brain protection for Colgate-Palmolive. And again, I think she actually helped us again, Just with her being on board with it, with her diligence of the intellectual property portfolio that she did and sort of her advocacy for that really helped us to kind of catapult forward and I think raise more money once I brought her on. So yeah, I love Chief.
1: Yeah, learning a lot about it. Just from a practical standpoint, since this is mostly going to be a prescription product at first, where is your price point here? Do you expect to have insurance coverage and how are you going to navigate that?
2: I'm working on that. I'm just learning. So that's kind of what's happened. We finished our clinical trials. I just started getting the data trickling. So so now I'm pivoting to thinking about commercialization. And so I met an incredible woman at JP Morgan that's going to help with reimbursement and coding and everything. And we're working out all of the kinks with raw materials. You know, we've got to think about not just having one supplier because this mm-hmm. is such a huge problem. I want to make sure that we can manufacture enough and raw materials, as I'm sure you guys know, a challenge sometimes. So I want for this to be affordable. I can't say for sure what the price point is yet, but I'm going to do my very best to keep it under $100 for sure.
0: When you talk about the six sizes, I mean, there's so many great stories about people going into pitch menstrual products and you say, what are the different sizes? And they say, well, people have different size vaginas, as opposed to knowing that the larger sizes are for increased blood flow. And I don't know if you recently saw, it was a YouTube video that went viral asking a bunch of men if a woman could urinate while having... A tampon in. And they were like, no, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure no, which reflects a lack of knowledge on a lot of dimensions. But so help people understand why six sizes, what dimensions are you looking at? How do you know, is this only something your doctor can tell you in terms of the right size? So a lot of questions in there.
2: Yeah. So we're starting at the smallest size is 34 millimeters. And then we're going up to 52. I just was thinking about the reason is we're all shaped so differently. And it's not based on your dress size, what size your yoni fit is. It all depends on <laughs> prolapse and laxity of your lax. What's the word? Laxity? Is that laxity. the right word? Yeah. Laxity, exact laxity for sure. Of your vaginal canal. And so I just created As much as I thought were needed based on other products in the market, I just kind of looked at, did a research on things that were out there. So I'm going to give a little anatomy lesson here because I'm still very bothered
1: by whether somebody could urinate with a tampon in. So there are three openings. Okay, we have to keep that in mind. <laughs> One of them that houses a Yoni fit potentially is not where you urinate from. So I think right. that shouldn't suffice. Number two, if you think about, that's a really manageable size that you've mentioned, even the range of six sizes, because your standard diaphragm, which they are not that common or popular anymore, the s- most common size was 75 millimeters and they would go all the oh. way up to 90 and start down as low as 55. So yeah. obviously that was meant to be a little higher up in the vagina. Right. So this is pretty small and I would suggest manageable.
0: Obviously, there's so many things when you're dealing with the FDA. What is your dream target date of having this product on the market and commercially available? July. That's my July goal. 2023. Oh yeah. July that 2023. awesome. <laughs> we'll That's see. They may awesome. come
2: back and ask for more, but we've been really transparent with them. We've communicated a lot with the FDA and listened to them and... Really try to follow the rules and comply with everything that they're asking for. So fingers
0: crossed. That's awesome. Share your hashtag, which I happen to love, which you have on t-shirts, one of which I'm lucky enough to own and on your booth when you're at different meetings. Public cervix announcement. <laughs> I love. It. I um, I mean, we name this business of the V. I think we like things that are. We clever. Do. And we do. in this space, a sense of humor goes a really long way. Before we let you go, I know you've given a bunch of advice that I hope people are listening to and figuring out how to incorporate into their entrepreneurial journeys. You've learned a lot. You've done this with two kids. I mean, if you think about how long you, for folks, you think about how long you've been doing this. One of your kids was absolutely a baby when you started and one was in elementary school, right? Yes. So if you could give one piece of advice when people hit roadblocks, as we all do in any field that we're in, whether it's on the entrepreneurship side, the medical care side, investing, what has kept you? Because I've seen you over the years and you literally always have a smile on your face and you're for those people who haven't met you, you're very genuine. It's not just a smile that's painted on. I'm noticing even in today's conversation that you have a calm, I don't think I saw it early on. And we um, don't have to include that, but I'm just saying it's like you seem so steady. So I'm curious, what have you done to keep your emotions in check and not lose sight of the goal? And when it's hard, stay motivated and always have the courage to reach out and be willing to get doors slammed in your face.
2: Oh my gosh. I mean, honestly, sometimes I feel like a crazy person. It's just, I think the calm today is because... I've seen the clinical trial data and I see the hard work paying off and I've heard the testimonials and stuff. And so I think it's just a matter of time. Intellectual properties come through. and But as far as just like keeping going, I mean, personally for me, it was not my dream to be the urine leakage lady. I say that (laughs) because it is so true. It's like this conviction sort of thing where I just feel like it's kind of just like something i'm meant to do i don't know it's personal <sighs> it's personal yeah. it is so personal and it's even more than just like the leaking like a little bit of urine on your pants that's not what it was for me it was the more of like the mental health side stopping having to worry about people i was so worried about odor did anybody know could anybody tell that i was wearing and there's a calm there that comes with just not having to worry about that anymore And just feeling confident that at the end of the day, I think if I can help women in that same way, like that's the driver behind. And there
1: sure are plenty of women who are looking for help. What a great place to end this conversation. I'm so looking forward to seeing this in the flesh. So best of luck. And
2: we'll be holding our breath for July. Thank you guys so much. I just love your podcast. Rachel, I love you. You're so awesome. And I'm just honored that you invited me to join you today.
0: I have personally loved watching you on this journey and I literally smile just listening to you and all the things that you've done, your determination and passion just gives me chills. And I also love hearing because I've experienced this as well, how collaborative and helpful people in this space tend to be. This is hard. What you're doing is really hard and it's always great to have someone who's helping you get to your goal. 100%. And someday I hope to do the same thing. I have no doubt you will. Thanks so much. Thank you guys. You're welcome. Have a great night. Good to see you. Good to see you too.
1: Don't forget, subscribe to our podcast at businessofthev.com for the latest trends and trendsetters in women's health and business.